more of the news from Atlanta on acute coronary syndromes now. A fuller description of the acuity study and its findings was given to me at the American College of Cardiology meeting by Michael Linkoff of the Cleveland Clinic. The trial was designed to extend the findings that we had established in the REPLACE-2 trial among elective uh, patients undergoing coronary intervention now to high-risk patients both in the medical phase of their management immediately upon presentation to uh, hospital as well as in the revascularization phase of their management. So this trial compared uh, the standard of care which is a heparin-based regimen plus glycoprotein 2b3 receptor antagonism to bivalirudin. Uh, there were two bivalirudin arms, one with 2b3a, one without. Uh, and but the intent was to determine if we could achieve the same suppression of ischemic events with a bivalirudin-based regimen with the expected reduction in bleeding that we had seen in earlier trials. So there was the possibility of adding bivalirudin to other therapies, standard therapies indeed, uh, but there was also a possibility of having bivalirudin monotherapy, wasn't there? Yes, there was a combination arm that replaced heparin with bivalirudin in combination with 2b3a and then one in which bivalirudin was used alone with 2b3a added only as necessary for an ischemic complication. What indeed did you find in the study? So the results of the study showed that uh, bivalirudin monotherapy as compared to heparin plus 2b3a was uh, resulted in the same rate of ischemic complications, so similar protection against ischemic complications, but about a 48% reduction in bleeding complications. So exactly what we had hoped and what we had seen in lower risk patients in REPLACE-2. The combination arm of bivalirudin plus 2b3a showed no difference in either bleeding or ischemic events compared to heparin plus 2b3a. So it was uh, an acceptable substitute, but it resulted in no advantage. The real advantage was the use of bivalirudin alone which suppressed the ischemic events to the same extent and reduced the bleeding complications. So that was a suppression of ischemic events. In the long term, what difference did that make? What, what sort of long-term clinical outcomes can you expect from that? Well, this is a we have a 30-day endpoint. There is six-month and one-year follow-up that is, is pending and is planned. But um, the, the expectation would be, if, if the results are similar to other studies, is that the bleeding reduction will be associated perhaps with a late mortality benefit. Uh, and generally, the suppression of ischemic events is maintained over longer-term follow-up. Now, let me ask you, when you were adding bivalirudin to standard therapies, uh, you weren't necessarily doing any harm, were you? No, there was no, there was certainly no harm. There just wasn't the suppression of bleeding events. It looks like the bleeding risk is really governed by the 2B3 antagonist. So if you give 2B3 antagonist, regardless of whether you're using heparin or bivalirudin, that probably is the main driver of the bleeding events because we, didn't, we couldn't protect against bleeding events with the bivalirudin if 2B3 was on board. I'd also like to emphasize that the other standards of therapy, including aspirin and clopidogrel, were used uniformly in, the, in all of the arms of the trial. So the, the only uh, other therapy that is standard of care that was varied was the 2B3 antagonist. Usually in medicine, it is more conventional to add a new therapy. Uh, here you've discovered that you need to replace the old therapy. What are the implications for the clinical use of bivalirudin in uh, patients with acute coronary syndromes? Well, I think this opens the door now to use this, this safer and uh, what will almost certainly be a less expensive and a simplified regimen in higher risk patients. There's been fairly broad acceptance of bivalirudin during elective coronary intervention on the basis of REPLACE-2, but there's always been the concern about the higher risk patients and whether that protection would extend to them. This trial answers that question in a huge number of patients, over 13,000, and 
and shows that that effect is similar even in the high-risk patients and now broadens the indications to both low-risk as well as now high-risk patients from the time they enter into the hospital system. Shouldn't you be careful though before advising clinicians to go ahead and change therapy on the basis of such short-term results? Well, you, you could say you're going to wait for long-term outcome, and that would certainly not be inappropriate, but I, I have to emphasize that none of the studies that we've had in recent eras have shown much in the way of differences after the first week or so. I mean, really most of the ischemic events in this setting are, for, at least for the short-term therapies, happen early on, and there's no real change in the survival curves after that. Now, certainly long-term therapies such as clopidogrel, aspirin, et cetera, do influence long-term outcome, but the short-term therapies that we're looking at here and that we're talking about, really you get most of your information from the early, the early uh, results. So we certainly will be looking later on, but if anything, based upon the results that we saw with Replace 2, we'll see a magnification of the benefit because of suppression of bleeding. And very briefly, uh, the patients who are ideal candidates for bivalirudin monotherapy then would be which patients? Well, pooling the data now that we have from the two trials, it's really any patient undergoing coronary intervention with you know a, a stable indication or an unstable indication. And for unstable patients from the time they enter the hospital and have to be placed on an, an, an anti-ischemic regimen. So it's, it's a very large, large population of patients. Michael Linkoff here at the Atlanta meeting of the ACC. Thank you very much.